This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From BBC Science Focus magazine, this is Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Alex Hughes, staff writer at BBC Science Focus magazine. This week, I'm joined by Professor David Reed. He specialises in the research of AI, augmented and virtual reality, and spatial computing. He explains the metaverse, a new form of internet focused on interactivity that we could all be experiencing very soon. So the metaverse is a word that is getting thrown about a lot recently. What actually is it? Uh, well, you can define it in three ways, really. Uh, three levels of increasing profundity. You can think about it as the evolution of the internet. It's the Mark Zuckerberg way of thinking about it. So it's essentially the embodied internet itself. So whereas with the internet, you clicked on links to went to one page to another page, with the metaverse, you actually go from one location to other locations. And it's actually a visceral experience. So you can look around you. So it's not just like moving from one page to another. You go into physical 3D locations and basically you can inhabit and um, talk to other people in those specific locations. Uh, the second way of defining it is the evolution of computing, really. This is the Robert Scoble type of definition, really. And he sees it as the next platform, really, of how we interact with computers, uh, and a new wave of computers, really. Currently, and for many, many years, we basically interacted with computers using a mouse, a keyboard, and a flat screen, a very inappetizing way of interacting with computers. Uh, he sees it as uh, a far more nuanced way of interacting with computers and a far more naturalistic way of interacting with computers. Because essentially, 
you're interacting with the metaverse in, in roughly the same way as you'd interact with real life. You can use your hands, eyes, you talk, you move around, you physically move around, pick up objects and so forth. So the in effect, what happens to the computer then, it becomes completely transparent. You don't actually see it anymore. And the way you interact with it, it becomes almost completely naturalistic. So you see it as a way of basically an evolution in human-computer interaction, really. Third way is the evolution of society. Sean Puri basically said it's essentially a tipping point. It's like AI singularity. It's when the digital world becomes as important to people as the analog world. So your friends, your job, your identity, your assets uh, are all in the metaverse. And at a time when the metaverse itself begins to dominate your attention and becomes as important to people as the real world is. So they're the three basic definitions, really. Basically, the evolution of the internet, the evolution of computing as a whole, and basically an evolution in society and how we deal with the technologies itself. And what state do you see the metaverse as being in now? Is, is it something that we could all be experiencing soon? It's basically very much in its infancy, but you can experience it now. It's in its primitive state. It's in its primordial state, really. I see it developing massively in the next 10 years, though. So, but you can think about it as having a, a short-term, medium-term, and long-term evolution, really. There's no binary cut-off point where before this point there wasn't a metaverse and beyond this point there is a metaverse. It's going to be a gradual evolution of technologies that allow the metaverse to become more and more realistic as you go on there. But you can experience it now, um, even through a web browser or through a mobile phone or through a headset. Places like uh, Mozilla Hubs, if you go to mozillahubs.org, you can actually go into the metaverse there. It's a cartoony version of the metaverse. It doesn't look realistic at all. But it allows you to talk to people. It allows you to interact with people. I took classes in there during COVID. You can build virtual places, have virtual objects in the metaverse that people can examine and people can create. So the actual core structure for the metaverse is actually being laid down now, but we're in a very primitive state. If anybody's interested in, in that, probably one of the main drivers for the metaverse through browsers at least is WebXR. If you look at WebXR type technologies, so, so the core technologies are already there and they'll become more and more sophisticated as things go on, as things progress. I see the main tipping point being about five or about five years from now when new generations of headsets go along that are far less bulky and far more sophisticated and also have a fair degree of augmented reality capability built into them. So you can actually start going outside with them on or interacting with people in a far more nuanced way where it reflects things like your facial movements or your body movements or eye tracking. Uh, so those types of technologies will basically push the metaverse into its next phase, which I see being about you know, three, four, five years' time. Could you outline what you see as being the key risk of the metaverse? What, what should people be worried about? Well, well there's a, the, the main thing that people should be worried about really is the amount of data that you give away in the metaverse as you, as you inhabit it, really. If you think about the actual interaction with the metaverse itself, everything you do in the metaverse can be monitored. So if you pick up an object, if you look in a particular direction, if you talk to somebody, the way you walk, your circle of friends in the metaverse can all be monitored. Uh, and that data is very valuable to 
not only companies, it might be valuable to organizations, it might be valuable to criminal activities, you know, criminal organizations as well. People need to be aware that everything that happens on the internet nowadays will be magnified with the metaverse. Things like theft, both things like identity theft, physical theft, bullying, cyberbullying, stalking, inappropriate content, all stuff to do with cyber espionage and social engineering take place now will be far more nuanced and far more effective in the, the metaverse. The thing that I'm most worried about in the short term is the psychological impact of embodiment on the metaverse itself, really. So if you experience something in the metaverse, it will become far more visceral than it is with the internet at the moment. So if you get bullied on the metaverse or uh, you're shown a particular scene in the metaverse, it has far more influence and has far greater effect than it does at present with the internet. You can imagine that type of thing could be exploited by extremists or particular people who want to make you view a particular idea in a particular way. So that influence on the metaverse will be greater than it is on the internet. And we've all seen what problems that that can lead to. And we've talked a lot about the negatives. What do you see as being the positives of the metaverse? Um, well, there'll be many, many positives of the metaverse, really. There'll be whole new categories of jobs that will be uh, produced in the metaverse that we can't even think about at the moment, really. Like, just like with the internet was many, many years ago, nobody foresaw the massive growth of internet-based companies such as Facebook, Google, Amazon even, way back when the internet started. Nobody even saw it as a commercial prospect, really. It was a sort of an a academic Idea, idea, really. And it's going to be the same for the metaverse itself. At the moment, it's still in its infancy. They, they reckon it's sort of um, the next couple of years. The metaverse is essentially going to be orientated towards gaming, really. They see about 50% of the metaverse uh, as potential for gaming. But the actual gains just from gaming alone are massive. I mean, I've seen figures, some people reckon that the metaverse will be worth um, $800 billion by 2030 or 2025 even. Um, so it's going to magnify what's going on. But as other aspects of interaction come into the play, like it did with the internet, it'll be used for other purposes as well. So you can imagine a situation where you can actually uh, have far more meaningful meetings with the metaverse. You can basically interact with your uh, family in a far more meaningful way if they're remote from you. You can imagine situations uh, where if people are isolated in some way, they can actually interact with people in a far more meaningful way. You go on virtual field trips, educational resources that could be developed for it that will basically uh, be far uh, more entertaining and informative as well. Um, so there's a whole raft of good things that will come out of the metaverse. In my particular field, I'm a, an educationalist, I'm a, and I can see whole areas of where education can be greatly enhanced by taking classes on virtual field tricks to, I don't know, historical locations that don't exist anymore. Or to, I don't know, if you're a biology student, to be able to show how the body works in a far more meaningful way. Or if you're a mathematics student, to be able to sort of like see what a particular curve looks like in real life and be able to manipulate it and maneuver it um, so you can actually visualize more, far more precisely what's going on in a particular 
environment. And all of these things will basically lead on to new ways of doing things, new ways of interacting with computers, and eventually will lead to new, entirely new categories of jobs. Is there any obvious way to police the metaverse? There's a number of different companies actually looking at policing the metaverse. The problem is at the moment there's no uniform metaverse itself. It's essentially a multiverse and each company is is developing their own metaverse in its own walled garden, as it were. But I do know a number of companies are looking at, essentially looking at things like um, how to control inappropriate content on the metaverse, looking at potential problems with stalking on the metaverse, but they're doing it in a piecemeal way. As soon as the metaverse is joining up and it truly becomes a singularity, a proper single metaverse, then that then becomes a far more difficult prospect of being able to monitor what's going on in that metaverse, like it is with the internet, really. But again, the solution to this might be to develop more sophisticated AIs to basically have the AI systems, like we used on the internet, to monitor if things like inappropriate content's being put up or things like thefts occurring or cyberbullying's occurring. And the AI systems in the metaverse itself will develop more quickly than they did with the internet because there's far greater amounts of information being gleaned from the metaverse to train these AI systems. So essentially, it may be that the AI systems themselves are the solution to potentially policing the metaverse itself but it's it's very early stages for this type of stuff at the moment it's all of the policing of the metaverse is is very much in its infancy so people are buying land in the metaverse they're selling their art trading commodities is this something that you could see happening a form of society into a virtual world of jobs hobbies interests i'm sure it will like like it did with the um with the internet it will produce new jobs and real value will be generated in the metaverse itself. Um, it, the problem is actually that the laws themselves are basically lagging behind what's happening with the metaverse. You know, things like ownership of, of land or of virtual objects that people buy in the metaverse. Do they actually have complete ownership of those things or are they just basically uh, licensed to a certain extent? Um, so, so it it will it, it will generate lots and lots of new jobs uh, and new services that people want to perhaps play around with, interact with. You can imagine a, a virtual. I mean, this company, this uh, whole uh, cities are actually getting involved with um, development of the metaverse. I mean, Seoul recently developed a pound of the, 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 the what's called a virtual Seoul um, environment, where they're mapping the whole of the city. And all of the goods and services that you can basically do. When, so when you interact with any um, government organization in Seoul, you basically do it through the metaverse instead. So rather than actually using the internet to interact with them, you're using the metaverse instead. And that produces far more of an identity, really, of what you're actually interacting with and becomes far more meaningful the way you actually interact with people, perhaps, or with services in other places. So th- there's loads of developments with the, with the metaverse that could take place in the future, but it depends on whether it's developed commercially or organize- government organizations develop it or local communities develop it on how the metaverse takes off. At the moment, it's still very much in its infancy. It was like 
the internet right at the start, really, where nobody really knew about how it would develop in the future. Nobody actually in those back in the early days really saw it as uh, as commercially viable in the, in the slightest. But look at now, you know, you get whole companies, massive technological companies built upon trading on the internet. Amazon, Facebook, and Google are all companies that grew up because of the internet. And I'm sure new companies will grow because of the metaverse that will be just as big, if not bigger. Do you think uh, government organizations will take the metaverse seriously and its regulation? I, I think they will. I think a number of organizations are starting to take it seriously. Um, but again, um, the problem is with, um, with a lot of government organizations is that the technology is developing so quickly that they basically are, they're on the back foot a little bit, really. And being getting up to speed with a lot of the recent developments in the metaverse is quite difficult when they've got so many other jobs to do. They're basically spread very thinly. There's a problem with technological know-how and training in specific organisations. So I think there's a willingness there in a lot of government organisations to get involved with the metaverse. But when they're doing a dozen other things simultaneously, it becomes quite difficult. Um, so I think a lot of organisations are aware of the potentials of the metaverse but i don't think they've really had time to analyze a lot of the consequences of the metaverse good and bad that are coming over the horizon so what do you personally see as the most exciting prospect of the metaverse there's a couple of things really i see it as potentially having a massive influence on the development of ai systems which is again both good and bad it will be a disruptive technology. The metaverse is a disruptive technology. And it's so disruptive because it actually it's implicitly linked with a lot of AI stuff. A lot of AI systems have grown up, not because of new ideas or, or new ways of doing things. They've come around because of two things, really. And those two things are actually implicitly linked with the metaverse as well. One is the rise of GPUs. You know, gaming cards have allowed... Um, far more sophisticated neural networks to be built that run uh, in parallel so you could basically train things a lot faster so the computational resources have gone through the roof the other thing is the rise of the internet the interconnectivity and the amount of data that you can actually use as oil for the ai engines themselves has gone through the roof now if you think about the metaverse that basically puts both of those things on steroids really the amount of data that you'll glean is far far greater in the metaverse than it is with the internet. And the amount of computational and internet resources that you'll need are going to be far, far higher fidelity that you need. So the beneficiary of that will be AI systems. They'll learn a lot faster and become far more sophisticated than they are at the moment. So that's one big influence that will have. That will be a good and bad influence. And those AI systems will basically be trained in the metaverse. And some of them will exist in the metaverse, but some of them will also use the metaverse as a training environment to go out into the outside world as well. So I see that transition between the virtual and the real world is gradually becoming less and less as the metaverse develops. And that will be true when augmented reality devices start to come online as well and people start walking around the streets with glasses and so forth that basically allow them to interact with the metaverse and the outside world simultaneously. And at that point, 
I see it. I think a lot of companies see the that type of device as being the natural successor to the mobile phone. And obviously the mobile phone market is gigantic at the moment. Uh, it could be in the future that the headset market gets just as big. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was David Reed. To hear him tell me more about the accessibility of the metaverse, head over to Instant Genius Extra, available only on Apple Podcasts. The February issue of BBC Science Focus magazine is out now. Pick up a copy in store or visit sciencefocus.com. Thank you.